We've been talking about fasting, but seeing as this is a youth service, there are some youth in here, we won't be focusing so much on fasting. That doesn't mean that young people can't fast, but young people's bodies need as much nutrients and vitamins and uh, and, and energy that they need because your bodies are growing. Okay, so it doesn't mean that young people can't fast, but really fasting for young people should be done under the supervision of their parents and maybe under the wisdom of a doctor as well. That doesn't mean, don't worry, if you're ill and you can't eat for three days or something because you've got no, no appetite or you just physically can't eat, don't worry, your body's going to be fine. You will still grow, okay? Your body does have reserves of, of vitamins and minerals and nutrients, so don't worry about that. But when it comes to fasting as a lifestyle, then uh, until you've stopped growing, then it's probably best to do it under the supervision of your parents and uh, and a doctor as well, doctor's advice. And we'll we'll learn about other things about fasting, but we'll skip forward a little bit from what I was going to talk about, and we'll go straight to our, our Bible verse, because we've been talking about God looking down, haven't we? And we've been talking about birds. What was it? I've, I've written my hand, wax wings. Never knew there was a bird called a wax wing. Marie did. She goes, oh, yes, they're quite rare. Is it bird spotting weekend? Is it the big count this weekend? Yeah. Okay, there's another coincidence or a God instance for you. So we're looking at God looking down, as we mentioned, and, and the spotting of birds. And our, our verse here, coincidentally or God incidentally, mentions God looking upon us. And it mentions birds too. Okay, so shall we, shall we read aloud together this short verse, Jesus' words? Are you ready? Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. So I am going to mention fasting because we've, we've, we've started a new series about fasting, but I don't want that to be our focus, particularly for our young young people present. So what we're going to focus on to begin with is the very fact that God sees you. Wherever he's looking down, wherever his vantage point, God sees you. Now, young people, any guesses how many million people are in the UK, in the United Kingdom? How many millions of people? Any ideas? 67, is that what you were saying, Nora Lucy, in the back? Yeah, yeah. Six, yeah, it is. It's 67 million people living in the UK. How many billion in the world? Seven, it's gone up now to eight. Yes, eight billion people in the world. So out of the eight billion people in the world and the 67 million people in the UK, God sees you. He doesn't just see you as someone who was born in the UK and lives somewhere about here in England somewhere. He doesn't just know your name and where you live in a general. He actually sees you right now. He sees where you are right now. His eyes are on you. Because Jesus said, are not two sparrows, is it five, two sparrows sold for a penny? 
and yet not one of them, as many as the sparrows are, they're, they're, they're not rare, are they? Not like the wax wings. They are now. They're getting there, are they? Okay. Sounds like in Jesus' day you could buy two for a penny. It's a phrase, isn't it? Two for a penny it means you, there's loads of them. There's billions of them. And yet not one of these seemingly worthless birds falls to the ground without your heavenly father caring about it, knowing about it. He sees every sparrow. And if your heavenly father sees every sparrow and the moment that this sparrow stops fluttering and falls to the ground dead, he sees it, every sparrow. That moment it happens. He knows where it is. He knows suddenly it's gone there. And then to reiterate the point, Jesus says, how much worth to your heavenly father are you than a sparrow? And then, to leave you in no doubt, he says, he doesn't just know your name and where you live. He actually knows how many hairs are on your head. Yeah, to count my hairs, I have to turn upside down so the father can see my chin. And he's, ah, oh, there's your hairs. Okay. Jesus said the father in heaven knows and cares about you to that tiniest of detail. He sees where you are right now. What do you think about that? Are you hearing and seeing something affirming that says, wow, isn't that amazing? God is looking on me right now, even counting my hairs. Or maybe you're visualizing him in your mind actually looking down and looking upon you, like Maynard was saying this morning? Or do you hear and see something less affirming? Surely not even God could see all 8 billion people all at once. Do you hear something like that? Surely he's not focused on all 8 billion all at once. Or he's got far more important things to do than care about a dying sparrow and about me. Do you hear that when you hear that? Or maybe you picture yourself lost in a sea of 8 billion people and God's eyes are somewhere else on the world right now, somewhere more important. Last week, we looked at worldly wisdom and how it makes us double-minded and talks us out of believing God. And that's worldly wisdom, isn't it? Thinking, well, there's 8 billion people. Surely God could not see me right now, right here, when there's so many more important things to do. Whereas godly wisdom actually says, yes, I believe, even if it seems impossible, God sees me right now. But it's hard, isn't it? And there was someone in the Bible called Hagar. And she was a lowly person in people's eyes. She was a slave girl. She was the slave girl of Sarai, Abraham's wife. And Hagar had upset her mistress Sarai so much 
that she ran away. Hagar ran away, distressed, upset. Nobody cares. Who am I? And suddenly, an angel from God appeared to Hagar, comforted her, instructed her, encouraged her, and told her to go back. And do you know what name Hagar gave God that day? This is in the book of Genesis. It's quite at the beginning of the story. Yeah. She named the Lord. It's going to be on our screen, actually. She named the Lord, the Lord who sees me. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. The God who sees me. You are the God who sees me. She got that revelation. She had an angel appear to her. I'm guessing many of you haven't had angels appear to you. You might not have seen Jesus face to face like um, the apostles did, like Paul had a vision of Jesus a couple of times, and other people even in these times have seen visions and dreams of Jesus appearing to them. Um, you might not have had that. But I believe God wants you to be able to join in with Hagar and call him the Lord who sees me. But not also just the Lord who sees me. I believe God this morning wants you to understand that he wants you to be able to say the second bit, I have now seen the one who sees me. Okay? Where are we going? Here's what I mean. Let's turn to John 14. It's going to be on the screen as well. This is what I think Jesus means when he wants you not only to know him as the Lord who sees you, but he wants you to join in with Hagar and said, now I've seen the one who sees me. Maybe not face to face like some have had in the Bible and since. Maybe not because an angel has appeared to you and given you an instruction and encouraged you, although that does still happen too. But I believe that Jesus wants you to know that he sees you and that you've seen that he sees you and you've met him because of this. Jesus said this, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love them and show myself to them. In the Amplified Bible, it says, make myself real to him or to them. Simply put, to love Jesus is to obey him. And when you obey him, he makes himself real to you. I'm sure many of us could testify to that, and I will in a minute. The more you obey Jesus the more he is able to make himself known to you. The more you become convinced he sees you. He knows you. He cares about you. And that he's actually right there with you. Jesus wants you that for that for you. He wants you to be able to turn around as you obey him to reveal himself to you in many different ways for you to be able to say, he's the Lord who sees me, 
knows me and cares about me. And even that, I now see him. I now see the one who knows me. Even in the midst of trials, as we learned last week, difficult times, we can experience joy, perseverance, maturity, completeness. When we receive this amazing wisdom of God and obey him. So, but it takes faith to step out and obey Jesus. What is the first act of obedience when you first turn to Jesus? When you first realize that he is your Lord and your Savior, what is the first act of obedience that Jesus requires of a believer? Any ideas? Tell someone else. Nope. Mike? Baptism. That is the first act of obedience when you realize that Jesus is your Lord and Savior is baptism. Jesus said, repent and be baptized. Believe and be baptized. That is your first act of obedience. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love them and make and show myself to them. So, if you have turned to Jesus, realizing he's your savior, and you've not yet been baptized, that is his expected, your expected first step of obedience. Now, I have for you a very powerful booklet that explains all about baptism, what it is, why, there we go, put it the right way up, why, your question's answered, but I, I don't like water. I'm scared of water. I've been christened as a baby. What about now? I've been baptized once, but the time I, I felt the pressure to do it, I didn't actually believe. All these sorts of questions shall be answered in the scriptures to why and what happens when you get baptized. So please, there's 20 here. If you haven't taken that first step of obedience and you want Jesus to reveal himself to you, then please come and get one of those. They're free. And they'll be up the front, young people as well. Okay. Now, for those who have been baptized and are continuing our journey with Jesus, there are three things that Jesus mentioned in the uh, Sermon on the Mount that Jesus said, if you do these things, my father will see what you're doing, even if you do it in secret and no one else can see. Yeah, you might be at home, no one else, not even your family knows about it. But if you do these three things, my father sees you and he will reward you openly. And what is the greatest reward from Jesus when we obey? Knowing him, seeing him, revealing himself to us. Okay. So what are those three things? What are the three things that Jesus said, if you do these three things, your father will see that you're doing them and he'll reward you openly. Any ideas? Loving? Mm, obeying? Okay. Prayer? Prayer is one of them. They're all in Matthew 6, by the way. The Sermon on the Mount. It's the first three things that Jesus talks about. Repentance? No. So it's prayer. Fasting? That's two. And what's the other one? 
Forgiveness, no? I mean, Jesus does talk about that in the uh, Sermon on the Mount. The first three things Jesus mentions, he also says, if you do these things, your Father in heaven will see them and he will reward you. Prayer, fasting, and giving. All three to Chris. Congratulations, Chris. Those three things are the first things Jesus talks about, that if you do, your Father in heaven will see you and he rewards you. And we know that the greatest reward from God is more of him, knowing him. Okay, him revealing himself to us. So, I'd like to close this message with a personal testimony of when I've engaged in these three things, prayer, giving, and fasting, and how the Lord has revealed himself to me. Um, so, the first one is, and some of you have heard some of these testimonies already, you won't have the really more recent one, but the first one is, about I was about 28, 28, 29 um, Marie and I were living in Paddock's Close, which is off of Chelsfield Lane. And uh, Marie and well, the children were at school or wherever they were. And I was laying in one of my children's beds and I was having some prayer time. I think I was working in the afternoon. And so in the morning, I was lying on my son or daughter's bed. They changed bedrooms, so I can't remember which one it was. But I was lying on this bed and I was praying. And at some point, I asked God, God, I really want a certain watch. I really liked Omega watches. I never had one before. And I wanted to buy an old one, like a second-hand one. But even the second-hand ones were going for 500 pounds at that time. And I'd saved up 250 pounds to try and bid on eBay on one of these second-hand watches, hoping that someone would not bid above me and I get it for 250 quid and not 500. And I started off with Lord please, please let me win this bid. Don't let anyone else bid above 200 pounds. And then I said, but Lord, I will go to 250. If necessary, if at a push, that's all I've got. And I was continuing to pray about it like you do, like God just needs to be reminded a couple of times, just in case he hasn't heard properly and doesn't understand fully what you're describing. And I think I started to pray about something else. Then I felt, now I didn't hear an audible voice, but I sensed God was saying to me to give the money I wanted to put down on a watch and bid on a watch to someone called Joseph. Now I knew Joseph and, um, and I kind of ignored it and carried on praying. Then it came to, I kept on having this thought, must have been the Holy Spirit in the end because of what happened next. So I said, Lord, okay, if you really want me to, I will give Joseph 200 pounds. And you know what I felt the Lord saying to me? No. What were you willing to go up to? And I said, okay, if you want me to, I will give Joseph 250 pounds and not bid on the watch. And I felt the Lord say, okay, you give Joseph the money and I'll take care of the watch. And so I kind of half sad and half kind of thinking, I wonder if I've heard from God. And I rang up Joseph and I spoke to Joseph on the phone and he said, uh, we chatted and I said, Joseph, I think God wants me to give you some money. And Joseph said, wow said, I was just sitting on the steps in my flat, praying 
that God would give me the money for the rent because I have zero money for the rent this month. And I said, how much is your rent? And Joseph said, 249 pounds. And I went, well, I just believe God just told me to give you 250 pounds. So for me, for Joseph, that was so encouraging. God saw him and heard him as he was sitting on those steps, pouring out his heart, maybe even begging God, Lord, please help me out. This, the rent's due and I've got no money. And here's me ringing up. But for me, I've, I've forgotten about the watch now, pretty much. And now I'm just so excited. I have heard from God. I was praying and he talked back to me and I think I heard him and now I know that God spoke to me. And that was the most exciting thing that ever happened to me in a sense of my relationship with God moving on was suddenly I've heard God speak to me. And it was a wonderful, exciting feeling. And I was still a bit sad that I could no longer bid on this watch, but I did carry on watching it and it went up to 500 quid anyway. So I, I wouldn't have got it. And years and years later, I don't know years later, but thankfully someone gave me um, my Omega watch. So uh, I was so encouraged. And um, that was one, one thing, but it took years of, of me every now and again reminding God um, and, and pleading. Uh, but in prayer, Jesus said, what you do in private, your God will reward you openly. He sees what you're doing. And prayer is never wasted. Arrow prayers are needed. Just, Poo, please, God, help me in this. But sometimes when you get away with God and lie on your back or whatever it is, or on your knees, and you spend time, you can start to hear him talk back with you as well. It's a, it's a conversation, isn't it? Not just every now and again asking him for help and not listening back. So that's one of the ways God reveals himself. When you be, obey him by praying, then he can reveal himself to you more. You think, wow, God sees me. He sees Joseph. And the second one was for Marie mainly. Um, in 2006, uh, I left the police service and I we went to be pastor at uh, Bromley Common Baptist Church and we were training and uh, before that, in say in this in the beginning of 2006, um, I heard a message preached about first fruits and that you give God the first and God will bless the rest of the tree or whatever it is that you give him the first of. And I thought years ago, I won 50 quid on premium bonds when my granddad bought me as a baby 50 pounds worth of premium bonds, and 18 years later I won 50 pounds. And I had no idea what it was or where it came from. Mum told me, Granddad bought me those premium bonds. Okay. And so years later, I'm about 32 at the time, 31, and I hear this message about first fruits, and I think, ah, I've got those winnings 18 years ago. I spent them now, but um, Nash and I invested more premium bonds. I bought more premium bonds with them. But um, I thought I'll get 50 pounds out of my account and give it to God in the offering in church and ask him, according to his word, first of my winnings, please bless the rest. So that was, I think, in March 2006. April 2006, our daughter, the following month, gets a £50 check from premium bonds because the same granddad bought her premium bonds when she was a baby. And I thought, wow, that's a coincidence. I put money in the offering for my winnings all those years ago, and then next month our daughter wins. And uh, I told my daughter what I did, so Emily did the exact same thing. She put that £50 into the, the offering, 
in April 2006. And then a few months later, in August 2006, Emily won £10,000 from the premium bonds. And you think, a month, then a month, then a few months later, you think, this is more than a coincidence, okay? So you think, God, God does answer prayers, and he does see what you do. Um, so anyway, this is leading up to, okay? From then on, because we were very low income, we were on £8,000 a year total for three years while I was training as a student pastor. Um, and thankfully, God blessed us with more premium bonds during that time. Um, and we counted it up. In those, those eight years or so, we won about 400 times on the premium bonds. Only 25s and 50s, but each month, they just helped us out, okay? Um, but there was a point, maybe a few years after that, uh, off 32, I'm about 36 now, I think, 36 years old, finished college, and there's a guy at college called Kumani. Kumaning Ganfi, he's a pastor uh, in East London now, I think. And Kumaning would come to Spurgeon's College during the day, but he'd work at night as a cleaner. And he planted his own church and was studying at Spurgeon's to be a Baptist pastor. And uh, so Kumaning was working very hard. And after the year after we left college, Kumaning emailed me and said, I'm really struggling. My wife has injured her back. She can't work now for months and we're struggling financially, is there any way you could help us out? And, um, and I went to Marie, who was in the bath at the time, and I said, I've got this email from Kamaning, and he's asking if we could help him out financially. And um, I said to Marie, how much do you reckon we should give? Now, Marie doesn't know Kamaning, and she's trusting that I know him and can vouch for him, and that the request was genuine. And so um, Marie said, how about we give them a thousand pounds? Now we'd had a thousand pounds saved up for our holiday. And this was about May, I think. We go on it in August. So we gave them the thousand pounds that we saved up for our holiday. And the next month, so June, Marie wins 500 pounds on the premium bonds. We've never won that much, apart from Emily's 10,000. It's always been 25 or 50. And so the next month after we send Kumani the thousand, God, uh, Marie wins 500 pounds in the premium bonds in June. And then in July, guess how much she wins? 500 pounds again. So there's the thousand pounds back. And why did Marie win it and not me or our kids? I think God was just saying to Marie, I see the sacrifice you made. You don't know commanding. It's You're just trusting in your, your husband and this man you never met before. You're giving your holiday savings. So, Marie, I'm giving that back to you to let you know, here's your £1,000 back. Um, more than that, I see you. He sees you. He sees everything you do. Particularly, Jesus says, when you pray, when you give, and when you fast, your Heavenly Father sees what you're doing in secret and he rewards you openly. And the greatest reward is to know that God sees you, he's real, he knows, cares. Fast forward to last week and there's no premium bonds involved, okay? We haven't, we haven't won for years, have we? 
ever since actually ever since we moved from Bromley Common to here we haven't won so <laughs> but thankfully you look after us financially anyway so okay so last week um first time I ever fasted because we've been learning about fasting last week the first time I ever fasted I was in the police uh, police force and um, I think I was a schools officer at the time I'm not sure but I was on my dinner break and I was fasting for the first time ever I just learned about fasting I read it in the bible and I thought well I'm going to fast today not eat anything and I was up in Blackheath and my my patrol was kind of Lewisham around there and I was on Blackheath, not eating, but having a lunch break. And I was reading the Bible. And I was reading Isaiah 58, which is about fasting. And the Lord's required fast is not just for people to go without food and look miserable, but actually to go and feed the poor, set the captives free, do good things. So I'm reading this thinking, oh, fasting isn't just about going without food. You can also do good deeds too. And I thought, what can I do? And I thought, I know, feed the poor. There's a big issue seller down at Lee Road, Lee High Road, Sainsbury's. I'll go down there and I'll give him some money. And I'm going to tell him God loves him. That's my plan. So uh, I go down to the, the ATM and I take out £10. Um, and I think, there we go. And I walk up to the big issue man and I'm going to tell him God loves him. I hand him the ten pounds and walk away, thinking, and can't even say God loves you. And I think I said keep the change or something like that. Um, and so, and then the next week, um, this isn't about this. Well, it must be about two thousand and four or something like that. The next week, Ben and I. Ben is about four years old, and he's on the back of my my bike, and uh, we actually we lived in South Chelsfield Lane. And um, I rode down to Waitrose here at Green Street Green. And I thought, ah, there's another big issue seller. What have I got? What money have I got? Because this time I'm definitely going to tell them God loves them. Okay. So I got out and all I had in my wallet was five pounds. So I got out the five pounds and Ben and I walked up to the big issue seller. And it was a guy at the time. We now have ladies, don't we, there? But it was a guy at the time. And I walked up to him. I was going to tell him God loves him. And I went, here you go, keep the change. And, and I walked off. I thought, Ben and I did our shopping. And then we came out of the shop and I said, Ben, I've got to speak to that big issue man again. I've got to tell him God loves him. So we went into the sweet shop at the end. Is it Lucky Lucky Strike or whatever it is, wherever it's called? Went into the sweet shop and got a bar of chocolate. And then we came out for another excuse to talk to the big issue seller. And I went up to him and I gave him this bar of chocolate and I said, God loves you. And he said, yes, yes, I know. And he got out his Biblia, his Romanian Bible, and said, yes, I know God loves me. And we had a conversation and thought, oh, done it. I feel good. And actually, he was a Christian anyway, so we encouraged one another. But then I was riding up the hill and pedaling up. Which hill would we have pedaled? I suppose Glentraman is it? quite a steep hill and into Windsor Drive. I think it was, I was going up Windsor Drive, a steep bit of Windsor Drive, when... Uh, when I looked down, Ben was going, come on, Daddy, you can do it. I looked down and there was five pounds just folded up in the gutter. And I thought, 
God's given my five pounds back. Hi, guys. Welcome back. I thought, well, God's given But then it struck me. I felt God saying to me, I'm not just giving you your five pounds back. Remember, this was before Marie got her thousand pounds back. I actually see what you did. I saw the effort it took you to go up to that person and tell them God loves you. I saw what you did. So that was very exciting. Okay. Now, fast forward to last week. Last week, I fasted for the first time in years. Okay. Last Wednesday, I thought I go to a prayer meeting and then I do outreach in Orpington High Street. Wednesdays is an excellent day for me to fast each week. So for the first time last week, was it two weeks? No, probably two weeks ago, I was fasting. And I went to prayer meeting and then I did outreach. And do you know what? The leaflets that I give out now, it says, God loves you. Well, it actually says, God loves me. And I hand out lots of these tracts in Auburn High Street telling people this is true and it's good news. And they say, what is it? And they read, God loves me. And sometimes they talk, sometimes they don't. And then I ride to the shops and I think, I'm going to go to the BP garage on my way home because Marie loves a chicken Alfredo. No, a chicken prawn Alfredo, a king prawn Alfredo from Marks and Spencer's. And the BP garage has got the Marks and Spencer's food. So I ride to the BP garage to get Marie a king prawn Alfredo. And you can't padlock your bike in the BP garage. There's nowhere to do it. So I'm oh. And oh, there's a lamppost over there. So I went over to the lamppost, hooked my bike up to the lamppost. And what did I find? No, 10 pounds. I found a 10 pound note in the curb. And I thought, brilliant. I haven't found money for ages. Ah. So I quickly prayed for the person who lost it. Didn't even put it in my pocket just went straight into the BK, BP garage and bought three meals for nine pounds with my 10 pounds. But it only dawned on me when I was riding home, I remembered all those years ago, the first ever time I tried fasting, I went and gave that man 10 pounds, but failed to tell him God loves him. And all these years later, how many years later? 20 years later, I spent the morning telling people God loves them, because I can do that now a bit more com- competently and confidently. Not, it's not easy, still. And I was fasting. And I found that 10 pounds, and God was saying, I see what you did today, fasting for the first time, like you first did all those years ago when you gave 10 pounds. Isn't it amazing? God sees you right where you are. He numbers the hairs in your head, counts them. He knows that intricately about you. But Jesus said there's a privilege that believers can join in, and other things as well, but particularly Jesus mentioned prayer and giving and even fasting, that even if no one else sees you, your heavenly Father sees you and he rewards you. And the greatest reward, Jesus said, is I will love them and I will make myself real to them. That is the greatest thing ever. So, last thing, last scripture. Here we go. As we, as adults and as young people, as we begin to discover giving, prayer and fasting, 
and obeying Jesus. And particularly if you haven't been baptized, that's the first thing you do in obedience to following Jesus. But may we, with Hagar, be able to say, not only you are the God who sees me, which is an amazing revelation, isn't it? But may we be able to say with Hagar, I have now seen the one who sees me because he keeps revealing himself to me when I walk in obedience with him. Amen. So don't forget, there's plenty, if you haven't been baptized, there's plenty of these believers' baptism leaflets for you to read. Be encouraged, but beware. If you do read this, you will feel the conviction to go through with baptism. Okay, so it's warning here. Don't pick it up unless you really are prepared to obey Jesus into the waters of baptism. Okay, over to you, Maynard.